Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. When Amritha was a little girl, her mom tells me that she would go through an inner conflict. Maybe it's an inner conflict you can relate to. An inner conflict where she would say, Mom, my tummy is hungry for carrots, but my mouth is hungry for beans. And she was indecisive on what she would eat. There was this battle. Anybody relate in the house of God? Any indecisive eaters here today? You don't know what to eat. Anybody sitting next to an indecisive eater who can't make up their mind on what they want to eat? Anybody? It's a safe place. There's often this like turmoil about what appetite are we going to please and appease? What craving are we going to satisfy? In the book of Galatians that we've been walking through all summer, Paul the Apostle, writing to the churches of Galatia, describes an inner conflict that goes inside of all of us that is, in fact, a spiritual battle. He writes in Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And when I don't say a word, I want you to say it out loud, something I picked up on my break. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature... The sinful nature to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit and the Spirit gives us that are the opposite of what the sinful nature. These two forces are constantly each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And so there's this battle between our spirit following the Spirit of God and following the cravings of our sinful nature called the flesh. And if you've had internal conflict in your mind, your body, your soul, in your life decisions, and you're like, am I crazy? Is there something wrong with me? I want you to know that you're normal and you're seen by the scriptures. In fact, that's what's so amazing about going to the scriptures for our leadership, because not only do we read the Bible, the Bible reads us and helps us understand and know what we're going through. But there's this part of us where like, I want to do good. I want to be a good person. I want to help people. But then there's a, a part of me is like, I'm going to cut you. I'm going to hurt you. It's like, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit too. Anybody relate to the inner struggle, the inner conflict that's going on inside of us? And so some of us think, oh, I want to follow God. And we pray this prayer of surrender and salvation. I became a Christian, but why do I still have these temptations? I mean, hearing John's testimony, I mean, I just wanted to have an altar call right there. Powerful. Can we give it up for John one more time? I mean, beautiful. Thank you. 
But there's this struggle. He said he had a duality in his faith. And I think there's a duality for all of us. Yes, we want to pray. Yes, we want to do good. Yes, we want to live a righteous life. But yes, we have addictions to porn and sexual sins. We are tempted to hurt people or cheat on someone or take advantage of someone. We are willing to prosper at the expense of someone else. And these are very much parts of who we are. And sometimes we feel like uh, just improper or wrong or bad for having different cravings. But I just want to let you know, the scripture is very clear. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to simply have cravings because we all have them. And I believe that there's a lot we can learn from the book of Galatians. And so I want to share some spiritual principles that I think that can help us and identify the struggle is real. Number one, from Galatians 5, feeling the internal conflict between following the Holy Spirit or your sinful nature doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you human. We all have this battle within because we are both spirit and flesh. Everybody say spirit and flesh. I want to bring us back to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, about the first person ever created named Adam. Adam, in the original language, literally means dirt or earth or dust. And so God creates a lot of creatures by speaking them into existence. Let there be light, and there is light. But Adam was a little bit different. Yes, God cultivates this human from the dirt and the soil, but that's not all he does. He actually breathes his own breath into this dirt, into Adam, and then it animates him to life. He comes alive and becomes a human being created in the image of God, carrying the breath of God. But I want you to notice here that Adam was both dirt, but he was also spirit. He was only able to come to life and animated as the spirit of God breathed life into this earth clay vessel. He was both spirit and flesh. And so are we. Going on in the book of Genesis, when Adam is this person alive, Eve is with him alive, and then the enemy, the devil, comes to tempt him by not appealing to his spirit, but by appealing to his flesh. He says, hey, I want you to eat this fruit, this forbidden fruit. It looks really good. It looks pleasing to the eye. I know that your body is craving to eat this. And Adam gives in to the desires of his flesh in rebellion to God. And the fall of humanity is unveiled for all of us. Then... A long time later, Jesus comes to earth, known as the second Adam, and he kind of reverses the curse that Adam introduced to the world. And I want to take you to the time where Jesus gets baptized. God, the Father, speaks over him and says, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him. The Holy Spirit descends on him in the sign of a dove. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness, into the desert to be tempted, where he doesn't eat for 40 days. And the scripture says an obvious thing. After not eating for 40 days, he was hungry. And then what happens in this moment? It's kind of reversal of the story of Adam. The devil shows up to tempt Jesus as he's trying to follow the spirit in the wilderness. And what does the devil tempt Jesus with first? Bread. 
I want you to eat this bread. And, and Jesus says, no, I'm not, I'm not giving into my flesh. I, I'm, I'm not giving into this sinful nature. I'm following the spirit into the desert. I will follow him out of this wilderness. And so he says, man shall not live by bread alone. And he reverses the curse of Adam saying, I'm going to be led by my spirit, not by my flesh. Then he walks out of the wilderness. The scripture says, full of the spirit. You see, we both have flesh and spirit. They both have appetites and cravings and desires. And we get the choice, which one are we going to feed? And so what happens when you feed and satisfy your sinful nature? Well, Galatians 5 explains it to us, starting in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I want to put a little pause here. Uh, we've been talking about the book of Galatians for like almost three months now. We've been talking a lot about grace, that we don't earn our salvation. It's a free gift. We don't work hard. It's not about our own standards. It's not, thank God, about us circumcising ourselves to follow God. Anybody thankful for a greater revelation? Anybody? Anyways, all right. Uh, so this is what the book of Galatians has been all about. But I have felt some of uh, the people in this church get a little uncomfortable with all this talk about grace. In church, there's typically people who trend towards being more rebellious and another group that trends towards being more religious, where, hey, we need to follow the words and all the ways of Jesus. We need to follow all of these things. We cannot have sin in the camp. We need to have the beauty of holiness. And I love all of those things. But when we're like, grace, 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 a lot of us are like, what about justice? What about following the ways of Jesus? What about not sinning? There's too much grace. So I, I have felt the collective, uh, how do I say this? The collective butt cheeks of the religious clench in unison. But I got something to unclench you in this moment. We've talked a lot about grace, but now the book of Galatians is going to bring a little bit of judgment. Who's excited for judgment? When you follow the desire of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone, here's your judgment, living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so this tells us, like, if you're giving in to your sinful nature, you're going to produce these acts of flesh. You're going to be someone that is, uh, you know, selfish. You're hurting other people. You're giving in to temptations like sexual immorality. And it, it's kind of interesting that this list includes a lot of items that I would say our society and culture celebrate. Wait, I thought selfish ambition was a great thing. Actually, I thought it was okay to be uh, dis divisive and have dissension. I mean, if you looked at our political landscape, if you can be more extreme and more divided than the other people and cause more dissension, you're celebrated and elevated in our culture. We live in a society that says, why would you call any sexuality immoral? Don't moralize my sexuality. But the fact is, the scripture says that this is the fruit of following our sinful nature. And when those desires bear full fruit, then we get things like injustice and society hurting each other. 
These things aren't just innocent. They come at a toll to our soul and society. And this is the fruit of perpetually giving in to the nature of our sin. But what happens when we follow the Spirit of God? Galatians 5.22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And so this is something called the fruits of the Spirit. And I, I love this. In fact, we have a, a member of Kalo's church, Israel, right here. Could you raise your hand? He says he doesn't like any fruit. In fact, he's tried to eat fruit. We're talking apples. We're talking uh, oranges. And he can't do it without crying and grimacing. Literally, right? Can you testify that you hate fruit? And I was like, all fruit? But then I got you. I said, what about the fruit of the Spirit? And you said, that's why you are the pastor. I submit, and here's my tithe check. I said, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is something beautiful. But there's a spiritual principle I think we need to understand when we want to experience the fruit of the Spirit. Point number two, you don't get the fruit of the Spirit by seeking the fruit, but by seeking the Spirit. You don't become kind by seeking kindness. You don't become patient by seeking patience. Kindness and patience are a byproduct of following the Holy Spirit. And so if you want fruit, you got to go to the root. And if you want to be patient, have joy, be kind, then you need to go to the root of all of this, and that is the Holy Spirit. I think we like to grit and have willpower and there's an expression of like trying to be godliness and you're just trying to work harder for it and you're trying to like white knuckle your way to godliness. I can't relate to that expression because uh, I am very brown. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I, I, I brown knuckle my way through life. I'm always brown nosing. Anyways, I'm off topic. <laughs> To experience godliness in the fruit of the Spirit, it's not by our own strength. It's not by our own wisdom and willpower. It's by the Holy Spirit. And some of us, we felt so bad about being, ungod being ungodly because we just have been trying to do it in our own strength. But it doesn't work that way. Yes, salvation is a free gift that we receive. And then we think it suddenly changes when we become a Christian. Salvation is, a, is because of the Spirit. And then we think sanctification, this purification process in our life, we think we're just going to do it in our own strength. No, both require the power and presence of the Holy Spirit if we're going to accomplish this fruit. So it's not just about you being a bad person. It's about you not being connected to the Spirit of God. We are Spirit-powered beings. Just like Adam was stuck in the state of being dirt until God breathed life into him, in the same way, we will be dirty until we have the breath of God in our very being. Amen. And so we chase the fruit. It's a spiritual principle of byproducts. When you drink too much beer, you get, who said a good time? I see you. When you drink too much beer, you get drunk. When you smoke too much pot, you get... All right, you guys said that way more confidently. All right. 
Amritha, when you eat beans, when you eat beans, you? No, okay. <laughs> There, there are things that are byproducts, and our godliness is a byproduct of the Spirit. When you feel insecure about your faith and you say, oh, that person's such a good Christian. No, they're not such a good Christian. They're just connected to the Spirit of God. They're not any better than you. Their nature isn't any different than yours. We are all capable of great evil, the acts of the flesh, yes, but we are all designed for great good by the power of the Spirit of God. Don't let condemnation be your identity. You are designed to receive the breath of life in your very being. And the fact is your appetite can change. You can start desiring godliness. You don't just like have to say, I hate prayer and things like that. You can design a life where you're filled with the Spirit and it helps you accomplish not maybe your strongest desires, but your deepest desires. Yeah, you have a, a strong desire to binge this or relapse into that, but I know that your deepest desire is to be fully alive. In fact, I believe that's why you're in church. You're in church today because you are seeking the presence of God, and you know that you can have life and life abundantly that not just impacts you, but your family, your friends, your job. You are people that are carrying the image of God, and I know you want to make life beautiful for yourself and those around you. And I believe that's why you're here, a hunger for the presence of God. And I believe that your appetite can change even more. In Bible college, I had heard that most of humanity was dehydrated. And that was dangerous. And that was going to lead to sickness. So I thought, what would it be like to live a life overhydrated? To the point where doctors say, you're too hydrated. What? pain what I experience. I love painful adventures. So I got 10 people to join me to drink two gallons of water every single day. Let me tell you what happened. I peed a lot. I peed a lot. I never had to take a nap. I had so much energy. I was just alive. But the craziest thing that happened to me is my appetite began to change. Did you know that electrolytes aren't something that Gatorade made up in the 90s? Like, who ever heard about electrolytes before Gatorade? Yeah, I I'd never heard. I thought it was made up. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, you know, made up things. And so uh, I, I, <laughs> I would drink all this water, and all my electrolytes would get washed out. I would detox, yes, but I would also lose all the salt in my body, the magnesium and the potassium. And so by the time I would get to the cafeteria, my friends and I, we would take the, the salt shaker, dump it out, and we would eat it by the spoonful because our body craved it. Drinking this much water changed our appetite. We would eat this, this salt, and it would taste like sugar. I needed it, and I got it. <laughs> My appetite changed by drinking too much water. And some of us feel like, why don't I just want to pray more? Why can't I get into church things? Why is this such a struggle? Well, I, I want to bring hope for you. you. You learn how to feast on the Spirit. Make time for the presence of God. Have a consistent discipline of being around the people of God. I believe that your appetite will change and that you don't have to get into your sinful desires, the kind of desires that you hurt yourself and the people around you. 
The Holy Spirit, when we feast on the Spirit, go to him as the source and the root, then we will experience the fruit of kindness, joy, patience, long-suffering, all of those kind of things. And so how do we then walk with the Spirit? How do we feast on the things of the Spirit? Well, I want to make it real simple. Just like for salvation, we just ask, Jesus Christ, would you save me? Would you transform me? I surrender my life to you. If you want a life with the Spirit, all you have to do is ask. I mean, Jesus says, hey, even good fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more will I give you the good gift of the Holy Spirit if you would simply just ask? But on that same note, I want you to notice this, that being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't a one-time thing. It's a perpetual thing. I love the image of a sailboat. A sailboat simply lifts up their sails, and it's not like the wind comes one time and it's good to go. No, the, the sail needs to be filled continuously in order for it to move forward. Ephesians 5 says it like this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Greek scholars would say that this Greek word for being filled is the present imperative tense, which implies that it's not a one-time filling, it's about being continuously filled. Another way some translations write this scripture is be being filled by the Spirit of God. And I, I, I know that humans, we can go like months without food, we can go days without water, but we can only go moments without breath. The same principle applies to our spirituality. The breath of God, the breath of life animated Adam, brought him to life, held him together, and it's that very breath that holds us together today. But sadly, many of us have been spiritually holding our breath a very long time. We're like, I got filled with the Spirit back at camp. The counselor said, just say this, I bought a Honda, should have bought a Mitsubishi. And then you're speaking in tongues. You're filled with the Spirit of God. You're like, I did that at camp. I'm good to go. Friends, may I say that following the Holy Spirit is more than saying I bought a Honda, should have bought a Mitsubishi at Bible camp. Dare I say that? I'm offending the Assemblies of God right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But I got saved in Assemblies of God Church. I got nothing but love for them. But we need to be filled with the Spirit of God moment by moment, day by day. And then only like a sailboat where will the, the sails of our heart be filled and move forward. We need to be filled. You know, when I, I first became a Christian, uh, I, I was not from a Christian family. We weren't a church-going family. I didn't have the practices of following Jesus. I thought there was just something wrong with me. Why is my nature so much different than all these good church people. They know the right words. They know the right actions. They just do all the right things instinctively. I felt so insecure. And I, I remember this a leader, he said, hey, I just want you, before you go to school, spend a half an hour in the mornings just praying in the Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit in your life. Invite him. And I, I would just do that. And I'm not joking. My nature began to change. My personality began to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It was like my natural tendencies were like evolving 
And I, I want us to feast on the presence of God because we desperately need him. And I, I don't like promote praying and fasting because I'm like this great spiritual person. It's because I want to be this great spiritual person. I need prayer because it shapes me. And so I spent this time just praying in the spirit every morning and my, my appetite began to change. And there were so many moments where I felt like I was just so dirty and something was wrong because of my temptations and my habits and my indulgences. Even today, I'm like, Lord, would you help me to wake up two hours earlier in my life so I could just say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. That's something I want to do right now. Because instead of doing behavior modification in my life, try to change my behavior through willpower and grit, I just want to say, all right, if I'm going to focus all my attention on changing behavior, it's going to be one that says, Holy Spirit, I'm lifting up the sails of my heart. Would you fill me with a fresh wind so that I could be more like you? And I, I, I'm telling you what, I began to change as a young person, and I believe that same hope exists for you today. In fact, yesterday, I was in Minnesota at my 20-year high school reunion. I went to the School of Environmental Studies called the Minnesota Zoo. Uh, so I literally went to high school at the zoo. If you've ever wondered why I am the way I am, <laughs> that might explain some things. And so I was, I was there, and my classmates were like, you're a pastor now? It's like, yes, I am. This girl, specifically Lauren, came up to me. She's like, you're a pastor now. It's like, yes. Like, you're the one who intentionally broke my arm in high school. I was like, we're all capable of great evil <laughs> and great good. And I went through a season where I indulged my sinful desires. I mean, you tell me who's wrong here. I saw her... <laughs> Let me indulge. <laughs> I saw her on a stairwell, and I thought it would be sweet if I slid down the rail behind her, and I just kicked her and scared her, and she fell a little bit. Well, uh, wait, hey, who said are you? <laughs> so uh, I, I went through with my plan that I thought up, this, this desire whether it's from the spirit or from my sinful nature, you decide. And so I slid down, and, I, and this playful kick that I thought we'd giggle about and have an inside joke over was literally me just kicking her down an entire flight of stairs. She rolled and fell all the way to the bottom, and she broke her arm. And I was, I was feeling a little insecure, as you could imagine, as she was writhing in pain. So I, I pretended to fall down the stairs, too and landed beside her. And I was like, ah, oh! screaming louder than her. She's like, ah, oh, what happened? I was like, I don't know. We both fell. We're, we're just both innocent here. <laughs> what, do you, what desire? Do you think that was the spirit or the flesh? Okay. All right. Well, I apologize. So I, I went back and uh, I said, hey, I, I just, I got to confess to you. I, that was not an accident. I did that on purpose. Do you forgive me? She's like, I forgive you. You're a pastor? <laughs> I was like, I was like I, you know what? The spirit has changed my desires and my appetite. And I was like, if you want to break my arm today, you can. She chose not to. Glory to God. Anyways, <laughs> hold, hold your applause. And so, <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, some of us feel so dirty, like Adam, when he was literally dust. But then the Spirit of God breathed life into him, 
and he changed forever. And band, you can come up. And in your sin, in your impulses, in your addictions, in your behaviors, in your habits, I want you to know you are not beyond God's breath. You are not beyond simply lifting up the sails of your heart and saying, Holy Spirit, come. Would you transform me and change me from the inside out? We've been holding our breath too long spiritually, and now it's time to breathe in the Holy Spirit. We would say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me again and again and again? I want you. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be like you. I want to have life and life abundantly be the story of my life. Do you want that? I believe you do. Let's stand up to our feet and let's just make room for the Spirit of God to fill us afresh, fill us anew in this moment. And so if you would, would you just put your hand, if you're comfortable, on the the shoulder next to you and let's just in unity welcome the Spirit of God to transform this moment. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come in a significant way. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would saturate our hearts, saturate our souls, saturate our nature. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our habits, in our lifestyle, in our homes, in our family, in our workplace. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And instead of trying to Move forward by might or strength or wisdom. Holy Spirit, I pray that the goodness of our lives would be a byproduct of seeking your face and welcoming you. In your own words, would you even say right now, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill me in a fresh way. We want you. Oh, God. Now let's just lift up our hands. Let's begin to sing this song about seeking the Lord as the author and the finisher of our faith. Not by willpower alone, but by the Spirit of God, we will be the kind of people God wants us to be. That's why I trust Let's sing this all together. Let's make this a prayer of faith, a prayer of our future, a prayer of how we want to reflect on our lives. Oh, Holy Spirit, we want you. Shape our appetites. In your journey of faith and life, please don't let 
the enemy define you by your worst moments. We're all capable of good and bad. Just change what you're feasting on. Feast on the presence of the Lord, I'm telling you. It's the thing that lasts. It's the thing that is sustainable. The only one who can satisfy our soul is the one who created it. And he wants to satisfy you today. And so I pray that you would make time and room for the presence of God in your life, especially as we begin this season of praying and fasting tomorrow. I pray that you would take it seriously. You wouldn't just starve yourself and don't just fast so that you look good or you can get a size down. I mean, fasting is not about looking good in front of others. Jesus has some pretty strong words about fasting for that reason. But I pray that fasting would be us crucifying the flesh and making room so that we can feast on the presence of God. Fasting is not starving. It's changing our appetite to the things of the Spirit. And so feast on the Spirit of God. Can we do that together? Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.